Story three of Over the Plum Pudding by John Kendrick Bangs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Flunking of Watkins Ghost. Parley was a freshman at Blue Haven University, and like many other freshmen, had a wholesome fear of examinations. In the football field, he was courageous to the verge of foolhardiness but when he sat in his chair in the examination room with a paper covered with questions before him he was as timid as a fawn there was no patent flying or revolving wedge method of getting him through the rush line of greek nor by any known tackle could he down the half-backs of mathematics and kick the ball of his intellect through the goal-posts on the other side of which lay the coveted land of sophomoredom hence parley who had spent most of his time practising for his class eleven found himself at the end of his first term in a state of worry like unto nothing he had ever known before it would be tough to fail at this stage of the game he thought as he reflected upon what his father would say in the event of his failure it wouldn't be so bad to flunk later on but for a chap to fall down at the very beginning of his race wouldn't reflect much credit on his trainer and i think it very likely the governor would be mad about it of course he would said a voice at his side who wouldn't parley jumped he was so startled nor was it surprising that even so cool and physically strong a person as he should for an instant know the sensation of fear if you or i should happen to be lying off in our room before a flickering log-fire which furnished the only illumination smoking a pipe reflecting and all alone i think we would ourselves superior beings as we are be startled to hear a strange voice beside us answering our unspoken thoughts this was exactly what had happened in parley's case now that the football season was over he realized that too much time had been spent on that and too little upon his studies and conditions were all he could see in the future this naturally made parley very unhappy and upon this particular night he had retired to his room to be alone until his blue spell should wear off several of his classmates had knocked at his door but he had made no response, and in order further to give the impression that he was not within, he had turned out his gas and table-lamp, and sat pulling viciously away at his pipe, watching the flames on the hearth as they danced to and fro upon the logs, which last hissed and spluttered away as if they approved neither of the dancing flames nor of Parley himself straining his eyes in the direction whence the voice had seemed to come parley endeavoured to ascertain who had spoken but all was as it had been before there was no one in sight and the freshman settled back again in his chair humph he ejaculated guessed i must have fallen asleep and dreamed it not a bit of it interposed the voice again i'm over here in the armchair parley sprang to his feet and grabbed up his banger as the big cane he had managed to hold to the bitter end in the rush of cherished memory was called oh you are are you he cried controlling his fear with great difficulty and his voice would hardly come his throat and lips had become so dry from nervousness 
"'And pray, how the deuce did you get in?' he demanded, peering over into the armchair's capacious depths, still seeing nothing, however. "'Oh, the usual way,' replied the voice. "'Through the door.' "'That's not so,' retorted Parley. "'Both doors are locked, so you couldn't. Why don't you come out like a man where I can see you and tell the truth, if you know how?' "'Can't,' said the other. "'That is, I can't come out like a man.' "'Ah!' sneered Parley. "'What are you, then? A purple cow?' "'I don't know what a purple cow is,' replied the voice in sepulchral tones. "'I never saw one. They didn't have em in my day. Only plain brown ones. Cows of the primary colors.' "'Ah!' said Parley smartly. The invisible thing was speaking so meekly that his momentary terror was passing away. "'You had blue cows in your day, huh?' "'Oh, my, yes,' replied the strange visitor. "'Lots of em. Take any old cow and deprive her of her calf, and she becomes as blue as indigo.' Here the voice laughed, and Parley joined. "'You're a clever uh, what? A clever it?' he said. "'You might call me an it if you wanted to,' said the stranger. "'Possibly that's my general classification. "'To be more specific, however, I'm a ghost.' "'Oh, nonsense!' retorted Parley. "'I don't believe in ghosts.' Well, "'That may be,' said the other calmly. "'I didn't when I was here, a living human being with two legs and a taste for smoke, like you. "'But I found out afterwards that I was all wrong.' When you get to be a ghost, if you have any self-respect, you'll believe in em. Furthermore, if I wasn't a ghost, I wouldn't have got in here through two closed doors to speak to you. Well, that's so, replied Parley. I didn't think of that. Still, you can't expect me to believe you without some proof. Suppose you let me whack you over the head with this stick. If it goes through you without hurting you, all well and good. If it doesn't and knocks you out, I shan't be any worse off. What do you say? I'm perfectly willing, said the voice. Only look out for your chair. You might spoil it. Afraid, eh? said Parley. For the chair, yes, replied the spirit. Still, it isn't my chair, and if you want to take the risk, I'm willing. You can kick a football through my ribs if you wish. It's all the same to me. I'll try the banger, said Parley dryly. Then, if you are a sneak thief, as I half suspect, you'll get what you deserve. If you're what you claim to be, all's well for both of us. Shall I? Go ahead, replied the ghost nonchalantly. Parley was more surprised than ever, and was beginning to believe that it was a ghost after all. No sneak thief would willingly permit himself to be whacked on the head with any such adamantine weapon as that which Parley held in his hand. "'Never mind,' said he, relenting. "'I won't.' "'You must now,' said the other. "'If you don't, I can't help you at all. I can't be of service to a person who either can't or won't believe in me. If you want to pass your examinations, whack!' bah what idiocy cried parley i go ahead and whack persisted the voice as hard as you know how too if you want to pretend you are cornered by a wild beast and have only one chance to escape and whack for dear life i'm ready 
My arms are folded, and I'm sitting right here over the embroidered cushion that serves as the seat of your chair." "I've caught you there," said Parley. "You aren't sitting there at all. I can see the embroidered cushion." "Which simply proves what I say," retorted the ghost. "If I were not a ghost, but a material thing like a sneak thief, you couldn't see through me. Whack away!" And Parley did so. He raised the banger aloft and brought it down on the spot where the invisible creature was sitting with all the force at his command. "'There,' said the ghost, calmly, from the chair. "'Are you satisfied? It didn't do me any damage, though I must say you've knocked the embroidery into smithereens.' It was even as he said. The force with which Parley had brought the heavy stick down had made a great rent in the soft cushion, and he had had his trouble for his pains. "'Well, do you believe me now?' the ghost demanded. Parley, in his surprise and wrath, having found no words suited to the occasion. "'I suppose I've got to,' he replied, ruefully gazing upon the ruined cushion. "'That's what I get for being an idiot.' I don't know. It's what you get for pretending that you can't believe all that you can't see, put in the ghost, which is a very grave error for a young man, or an old one either, for that matter, to make. Parley sat down and was silent for a moment. Well, he said at length, granting that there are such things as ghosts, and that you are one, what the deuce do you come bothering me for? just wanted to plague me, I suppose, and get me to smash my furniture? Not at all, retorted the ghost. I didn't ask you to smash your furniture. On the contrary, I warned you that that was what you were going to do. You suggested smashing me, and I told you to go ahead. Parley couldn't deny it, but he could not quite conceal his resentment. Don't you think I'm bothered enough by the prospect of a beautiful flunk at my exams, without your trickling in through the doorway to exasperate me he demanded who has come to exasperate you parley said the ghost a trifle irritably i haven't i came to help you but by jingo i've half a mind to leave you to get out of your troubles the best way you can do you know what's the matter with you you are too impetuous you are the kind of chap who strikes first and thinks afterwards so far your experiments on me have kept me from telling you who I am and what I've come for. If you don't want help, say so. There are others who do, and I'll be jiggered if I wouldn't rather help them than you, now that I know what a flyaway jack you are." The spirit with which the visitor uttered these words made Parley somewhat ashamed of his behavior and yet no one could really blame him under the circumstances for doing what he did i'm sorry he said in a moment but you must remember sir that at blue haven there is no chair in manners and the etiquette of a meeting of this sort is a closed book to me that's all right returned the ghost kindly i don't blame you on the whole the trouble lies just where you say in college, people study geology and physiology, and all the other ologies save spectrology. Most college trustees disbelieve in ghosts, just as you do, and the consequence is you only touch upon the relations of man with the spirit world in your studies of psychology, 
and then only in a very incomplete fashion any gentleman knows how to behave to another gentleman but when he comes into contact with a spook he's all at sea if somebody would only write a ghost etiquette book or a spectral don't people who suffer from what you are pleased to call hallucinations would have an easier time of it if i had been a book agent or a sneak thief or a lady selling patent egg beaters which no home should be without you would have received me with greater courtesy than you did still said parley anxious to make out a good case for himself most of em wouldn't walk right into a fellow's room and scare him to death you know nor would i said the ghost you are still living parley as you wouldn't have been if i'd scared you to death specious but granted returned parley and now mr spook let's exchange cards i left my card-case at home laughed the spirit but i'll tell you who i am and it will suffice i'm old billy watkins of the class of ninety nine there is no watkins in ninety nine said parley suspiciously well there was retorted the spirit i ought to know because i was old billy myself valedictorian too what are you talking about demanded parley ninety-nine hasn't graduated yet yes it has returned the ghost seventeen ninety-nine i mean parley whistled oh i see you're a relic of the last century that's it and i can tell you parley we eighteenth-century boys made blue haven a very different sort of place from what you make it said billy we didn't mind being young you know when we had an eight-oared race we rode only four men and each man managed two oars and there wasn't any fighting over strokes either and we'd row anybody that chose to try us the main principle was to have a race and the only thing we thought about was getting in first in any old way i suppose sneered parley you bet cried the spirit with enthusiasm we'd have put our eight-oared crew up against twenty indians in a canoe if they'd asked us and when it came to rounders we could bat balls a mile in those days a fellow didn't have to make a science out of his fun when i was at blue haven and what good did it do you cried parley we held every belt and every mug and every medal in the thirteen states that's what we laid out cambridge at one old cat eight times in two months and as for those new york boys we beat em at marbles on their own campus returned the ghost parley was beginning to be interested i'd like to see the records of those times he said records bosh said old billy watkins you don't for a moment believe that every time we played a game of marbles or peg-top or rode against a lot of the town boys we sat down and wrote up a history of it do you we were too busy having fun for that oh those days those days the ghost added with a sigh college wasn't filled with politicians and scientific fun-seekers and grandfathers then grandfathers more likely you were forefathers suggested parley we've become both since said watkins but we were boys then and glad of it aren't we boys now queried parley 
"'Yes, you are,' replied the ghost, "'but you seem to be doing your best to conceal the fact. "'As soon as a lad gets into college now, "'he puts on all the airs of a man, "'walks, talks, like a grave man, "'eats and drinks, like a grave man. "'Why, I don't believe you ever robbed "'the President's hen-coop in your life.' "'No,' laughed Parley, "'never, for two reasons.' It's easier to get your chickens cooked at the dining-hall, and Prex hasn't got a hen-coop. Exactly. Even our college presidents aren't what they were. Never hooked a ham out of his smoke-house either, I'll wager, and for the same reason. Prex hasn't a smoke-house. All the smoking he does is in the line of cigars. But all this hasn't got anything to do with what I came here for. I came to help you, and I've seen enough of the way things are done in colleges these days to know that in the other respects of which I have spoken you are beyond help. Besides, this help is personal. You are worried about your examinations, aren't you? Well, rather, said Parley. You see, I've been playing football. Precisely, said Watkins, and you've put so much time into learning to do it scientifically and without using your feet, as we did, that you've let everything else go. I suppose so, said Parley sullenly. That's it, said old Billy Watkins. Now that everything's science, there isn't time for a boy to do more than one thing at a time, and he's got to choose between his degree and seeing his picture in the papers as an athlete. Well, it's not your fault, maybe. It's the times, and I'm going to help you out. I always try to help somebody once a year. It's my Christmas gift to mankind, and this year I've decided to help you out of your fix. Last year I helped Blue Haven win the debating championship as against our traditional rivals. This year I should have tried to get Blue Haven to the fore in the boat race, but everybody about here was so cocksure of winning it didn't seem to be necessary. I'm sorry now I didn't know it was all men's bluff and not boys' confidence. I might have helped the little men out. Still, that's over, and you are to be the gainer. I'll pass your examinations for you. What? cried Parley, scarcely able to believe his ears. I'll pass your examinations for you, repeated the ghost. It won't be hard, as I told you. I was valedictorian of my class. "'But how?' asked Parley. "'You couldn't pass yourself off for me, you know.' "'Never said I could,' returned Billy Watkins. "'Never wanted to. I'd rather be me, floating around in space, than you. What I propose to do is to stand alongside of you, and tell you the answers to your questions.' "'But what will the professor say?' demanded Parley. How will they know? They won't be able to see me any more than you can, said the ghost. It's easy as shooting. Well, I don't know if it's square, said Parley. In fact, I do know that it isn't. But if I get through this time, I won't get into the same fix again. That's just the point, returned the ghost. You're young, in spite of your trying not to be, and you've got into trouble. I'll help you out once but after that you'll have to paddle your own steam-yacht. I suppose you scientific watermen wouldn't demean yourselves by paddling a canoe the way we used to. I'm sure I'm very much obliged, Mr. Watkins, said Parley. 
"Oh, botheration!" cried the ghost. "Mr. Watkins! Look here, Parley, we're both Blue Haven boys. Somewhat far apart in time, it's true, but none the less Blue Havenites. Don't 'Mr.' me. Call me 'Billy.'" "All right, Billy," said Parley. "I'll go you, and after it's all over I'll be as much of a boy as I can." "That's right," said the ghost of old Billy Watkins, and then he departed. At least, I presume he departed, for from that time on to the day of the examinations Parley did not hear his voice again. What happened then can best be explained by the narration of an interview between Parley and the ghost of old Billy Watkins on the night of the concluding examination day. Sick, tired, and flunked, poor Parley went to his room to bemoan his unhappy fate. In no single branch had he been successful. Apparently his reliance upon the assistance of Watkins' ghost had proved a mistake, as in fact it was, although poor old Watkins was, as it turned out, no more to blame than if he had never volunteered his services. Flinging himself down in despair, Parley gave way to his feelings. "'That's what I get for being an ass and believing in ghosts. I might have known it was all a dream,' he groaned. "'It wasn't,' said the unmistakable voice of Watkins, from the chair which had been repaired. Parley jumped, as if stung. "'You're a gay old valedictorian, you are,' he cried, glowering at the chair. "'Next time you have a Christmas gift for mankind, take it and burn it, will you? A pretty fix you've got me into.' "'I'm sorry, Parley,' began the ghost. "'I sorry be hanged,' cried Parley. "'If you hadn't made me believe in you, I might have crammed up on my Greek and Latin anyhow. As it is, it's a Waterloo all around.' "'If you won't listen,' the ghost began again. "'I've listened enough,' roared Parley, thoroughly enraged. "'And if there was any way in which I could get at you, I'd make you smart for your low-down trick.' "'To think,' moaned the ghost, "'that I should see the day when old Billy Watkins was accused of a low-down trick, and I tried to help him, too.' "'Tried to help me?' sneered Parley. How the deuce do you make that out? You didn't come within a mile of me, and I've not only flunked out, I've lost a half-dozen bets on my ability to pass just because I believed in you. I was within a mile of you, retorted the ghost indignantly. I was right square in front of you. Then why the dickens didn't you answer the questions? I read em out so loud that old Professor Wiggins sat on me for it. "'I know you did, Parley,' said the ghost meekly, "'and I'd have answered him if I could, but I couldn't.' "'Couldn't?' cried Parley. "'Regularly just couldn't,' said the ghost. "'A valedictorian couldn't answer a question on a freshman's paper?' cried Parley scornfully. "'No,' said the ghost. "'Fine memory you must have. Do you know what A-B-A-B spells?' sneered Parley. I do, of course, retorted the ghost angrily. A-B-A-B -A -B spells nothing, but that doesn't prove anything. I remember all I ever learned at Blue Haven, but I've made a discovery, Parley, which lets me out. You ought to have told me, but, my dear fellow, college begins now just about where it used to leave off. What? 
queried Parley doubtfully. What do you mean? Why, it's plain enough, Jack. Can't you see? said Watkins. What would make a valedictorian in my day won't help a freshman through his first year now. Times have changed. Oh, that's it, eh? said Parley, somewhat mollified. It isn't only the fellows that have changed and their sports, but the curriculum, eh? That it? Precisely, rejoined old Billy, with a sigh of relief that Parley should understand him. I'm beginning to understand, my boy, why you fellows have to be little men and not boys. No average boy could pass any such stiff paper as that, and I found myself as ignorant as you are. Thanks, said Parley with a short laugh. I think you ought to have found it out before leading me into accepting your Christmas gift, though. It was you who should have found out and told me, retorted the ghost. All I can say is that in my day I'd have got you through with flying colors. Well, I'm much obliged, said Parley. I'll get out of it somehow, but it means hard work. Only, Mr. Spook, don't be so free with your Christmas gifts another time. I won't, Jack, said the spirit. That is, I won't, if you'll forgive me, and stop calling me Mr. Call me Billy again, and show you've forgiven me. All right, Billy, my boy, said Parley. We'll call it square. And the unhappy ghost wandered off into the night, leaving Parley to fight his battles alone. Whether he has turned up again or not, I am not aware. But, from my observation of Jack Parley's ways ever since, I think he really did learn something from his contact with Billy Watkins' ghost. He has been a good deal of a boy ever since. As for Watkins, I hope that the genial old soul, off in space somewhere, has also learned something from Jack. If the old chaps and the youngsters can only get together and appreciate one another's good points, and how each has had to labor towards the same end under possibly different conditions, there will be a greater harmony and sympathy between them, and they will discover that, in spite of differing times and differing customs, way down at bottom they are the same old wild animals after all. There is no more delightful spectacle anywhere than that to be seen at a college gathering where the patriarchs of the fifties and the freshmen of the present join hand in hand and lark it together, and it is this spirit that makes for the glory of alma mater everywhere. So, after all, perhaps the meeting of Jack Parley and old Billy Watkins' ghost had its value. For my part, I can only hope that it had, and leave them both with my blessing. End of story three.